In this episode of the Adventurous Gentleman podcast, I sit down with John Bartholomew, owner and head coach of CrossFit Mohawk Valley. We talk about his story from going to a garage in his house training athletes to a few thousand square foot facility, which he's currently in with over 200 members. It's a pretty inspiring story. We talk about his time serving in the Marines, as well as his somewhat colored and checkered past. I think you guys will really enjoy this episode. Uh, There's some funny stories in there. If you are a motivated self-starter or entrepreneur, I think you'll love some of John's advice. Strap in, listen up, and enjoy. Also, if you are interested in getting some mountain ops and you don't want to pay full price, just enter the coupon code TAG10 at checkout and they will give you 10% off your order. Also, if you would like some free Maven swag, just enter the coupon code NBHGIFT at checkout and they will send you some free stuff. If you are ready to take the hard road, the road less traveled, the path in life where the journey is more important than the destination, then you are in the right place. Prepare to live with vigor. This is the Adventurous Gentleman Podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Adventurous Gentleman Podcast. And today's guest is a businessman, an entrepreneur, a hell of a nice guy, as well as my coach at CrossFit Mohawk Valley. Welcome to the show, John Bartholomew. Well, thank you, Will, for that uh, beautiful introduction and uh, pleasure to sit here and uh, spill my guts a little bit. Good. Spill them we will. (laughs) Tell me, when did you decide you wanted to get involved in CrossFit? So I was, if you, uh, if anybody listening, you know, isn't aware, I actually spent probably close to three years of my life in Iraq, Uh, multiple deployments, um, some more trips back and forth with the uh, Department of Defense, uh, Department of State doing some contracting work. And on one of the trips while I was over in Iraq, I had a friend of mine, Mike, who was doing, we wouldn't per se call it CrossFit, but he was doing some what we would maybe term functional training with uh, one of my first coaches, Josh Lewis out in Deansboro. So I was actually on a Skype phone call with my buddy Mike. I'm I'm in Iraq and Mike's in uh, you know, Marcy, New York and said, "Hey, you got to try this stuff out because Mike and I had always trained together. We'd always deadlifted together. We had a background in, you know, basic powerlifting." And Mike was like, "You got to try this stuff. Um, it's kind of like CrossFit. It's kind of like functional training, but man, it is kicking my ass." So, in Iraq, you still had gyms, you had uh, places that you could train. And basically, I watched some of these guys do some of these different workouts, and I've been doing my traditional bodybuilding, maybe bench a little bit on Monday, do some buys and tries, work on the gun show on Tuesday, maybe if I was lucky, hop on a treadmill. So I saw some of these guys doing what was, you know, you would you know, call it CrossFit, functional training, whatever you want to call it, and tried it and got instantly leveled. Completely put on my back, just like most people do when they first step into the arena uh, and get out of, you know, what they're used to doing. So that was probably the first exposure I had. And like I said, I want to give credit to uh, Mike and obviously Josh who uh, got Mike exposed to it. So when I came home, um, the only place to really do anything even remotely close to CrossFit was with Josh out in Deansboro. So that was back in late 2010. So that's that's even pretty early on in the roots of CrossFit and in the beginning of its popularity. How did that change your training for your actual job so that's an awesome question because you know if we want to start saying you know we'll use the term crossfit right so um your traditional training routines of you know isolating one body part and working on that for just pure aesthetics um i don't like to villainize anything right there's a rhyme and reason to that but the rhyme and to reason behind bodybuilding is a lot of times is the end state would be to be on on a stage and um, be judged on the symmetry of my bicep to my tricep and do my calves look like they're symmetrical and that that really opened my eyes to training for 
um, life or training for a job, right? At that time, my job was personal, personal security contractor, and my job wasn't to be on stage and uh, flex. My job was to be able to run hard, pick things up, pick up somebody if I needed to, and then do it again and do it again and do it again, still be mentally aware if I needed to shoot. So it was just it really, really opened your eyes to a better way to train for what I was being paid to do. Now, that sounds like a pretty sweet life, being a security contractor, traveling the world a little bit, working out. When did you decide, I've had enough of this, I would like to then coach people at this and start from the bottom? So it, it was a pretty sweet gig, and if, uh, if I didn't have the beautiful wife that I have now, Jennifer, in my life, I'd probably still be doing it um, because it's pretty awesome. You got to go work um, with a great group of guys overseas and then come home for 30 days and go work for 90 days. But it does get a little uh, or a lot tiring with those rotations. So I would come home and I would start putting my feet or toes in the water into wanting to see how could I make this a business? How could I do something that I really enjoyed and make a living out of it? And again, with the only facility really in the area that was doing anything like it being in Deansboro, which is, um, you know, wasn't very convenient, I started putting the ball in motion um, to start the business, right? So I started looking at what, what, what would I need to do to become, get a CrossFit level one? What would I need to do to find a location? Um, start looking at equipment. What's funny is now with uh, CrossFit being so popular, Rogue is uh, a household name. You know, Rogue is huge. Back when we were looking at 2010, Rogue was like, you know, there was a couple uh, businesses out there, but Rogue wasn't even close to what it is now. So um, just started each trip home getting a little bit more involved in it you know the first trip was maybe looking around for a building that we could do it at the next trip was booking my um you know scheduling my level one and just each trip doing a little bit more so that way when i finally came home i had everything essentially lined up to uh to get the business started now did you just go full bore open a big box right off the bat you know a few thousand square foot facility and, you know, clients are just rolling in or, or what was your beginnings like? No, the beginning is uh, super typical. You know, you talk to, well, I would say super typical back in 2010, 2011 of we started training uh, friends and family, right? You, you know, you could imagine this, you know, you come home or you're home and your friend that's a Marine that's overseas doing contracting, doing some security work says, hey, I found this really awesome way to work out. Um, come join me and we'll try not to puke together. So we started with our friends and our family, essentially in our garage, which we still live in that house today. I actually worked out there yesterday a little bit, did some push-ups and pull-ups in my garage. Um, we started there, and the first spot, you know, um, was probably 1,200 square feet. It, it was small and it was tiny, but it was a great spot to start. It was it was awesome for us. So, how many clients would you say you started out with at your garage gym? Uh, I started out with probably five, and what's interesting about that. Um, those five, I probably still have three, maybe four of them are still here today, which is really, really, I think a testament, not just to myself, but to the other coaches and what, what we've built here, um, in CrossFit Mohawk Valley. And, and if you don't mind me asking, what, what were you charging for a membership back then? Uh, in the gym, it was anybody that, or I'm sorry, in the garage, was anybody that showed up could, could come work out for free. It's kind of hard to charge people when, uh, your medicine balls are, um, basketballs filled with sand with gorilla duct tape around them and you're doing wall balls in a hole in the ceiling in your garage and the heater is a little uh, space heater so it was kind of hard to charge at that point so it's free 99 yeah it was free 99 and it was if you wanted to come train come train and it was it was awesome like i said i literally it was kind of funny that we're doing this now i went home yesterday and did pull-ups and push-ups in the garage and it was kind of kind of cool to think of that hey this is where it started and then come back down here to where it is today and then to think okay where are we going to be in three years and five years it's pretty awesome that is pretty cool when you came back right you start working out and, it's, and you're basically just leading a group workout at that point for free when did you start charging? When were you like, ah, I need to really start getting a little bit of money off this, or this is worth something? So, um, I will, uh, big thank you to SUNY IT right up the road. They actually have a small business department that helped me put a business plan in place before we even went 
to our first location. So um, I sat down with somebody up there. They kind of walked me through, hey, here's how you build the business plan. And we had like first year projections. And we knew, you know, going out the gate right into that first location, you know, what we would need to charge and how many members we need to see. And, um, you know, month one, month three, you know, where we want to be in one year. And so once we made the uh, the move from the garage to the first location in Yorkville, that was obviously when we had to start charging because now we have rent, we now have insurance, we now needed equipment, um, you know, utilities, all, all the stuff that sometimes people don't think about, toilet paper, chalk, you know, all these different things that you don't think about. So obviously we had to start charging and running it like a business when we moved into Yorkville. And how big was the uh, Yorkville space? The Yorkville space was 1,300 square feet. And what's always been interesting and what's always been, I guess, kind of funny to me is every space we've ever gone into, when you first start, you're like, this is this is too much. This is too much space. And then over time, you fill it up and you're like, man, how are we going to, what are we going to do? There's not enough room. There's not enough space. So 1,300 square feet was was uh, it was intimidating to me. I have pictures of it and we had so little equipment that it looked like basically um, you know, a small garage with like a squat stand here and like three kettlebells and like two barbells and a, and a rower in the corner. And how many people were there when it was at capacity? Um, we left there probably just shy of two years and it felt like we were bursting at the seams, you know, probably around 80 to 90 members. And it felt like, you know, because we had the nice overhead doors. So on a sunny day, it wasn't too bad. There's a summer, it wasn't bad at all, but we couldn't stay there for another winter with the doors down because, um, there just wasn't room to put another body in there. And so you grow to around 80 members. You had a 1,300 square foot facility. What's your next move? Um, obviously, the next move was to try and find a larger a larger spot. Um, like I said, that was a beautiful spot for us to start at. Um, and it was a great, great location for us to kind of get introduced to it. And it gave us, you know, a year, year and a half, just shy of two years of learning what we really needed to do and then essentially building building the community you're going to hear that a lot what's again really interesting to me is as we sit in this office i can look at pictures from that old location and you see the same faces in these pictures and then um you know we essentially said okay we want to take this core group of people that we have in yorkville and and find a a newer location or just a, a larger location so What's your facility like now? Um, so now we're located, you know, we used to be in Yorkville. Now we're in Marcy, New York. Our location right now is approximately about 8,500 square feet. So it's substantially bigger than um, where we first started. Um, and the same thing, when we, f- when we first came into this building, it was, there was, when you go into a larger building with the same amount of equipment you had in 1,300 square feet, it looks like you have absolutely nothing. And I remember coming in here and being like, this is too big. This is too much space for us. Um, and in that time, we've since taken walls down. We've added 20 feet to our rig. We've added equipment. We've changed turf out. We've changed layouts of how equipment is set up. And, you know, there's days now where we come in and we're like, man, this is what, what's next. We got to take another wall down. We got to, we got to get some more parking. We got to do, you know, expand, which is a great problem to have. But again, it's, it's, it's a hurdle and something, something to think about. So you started with five members who were working out in your garage for free. Where is the business at now in terms of numbers? Um, so the business is well over 200 members, and that's not including things like we have a high school athlete program. We have essentially, we've grown from, that's kind of um, something to touch on too, is that the business has grown from just CrossFit. If you come through the door, you have to do CrossFit, and you're doing just a traditional, what we would call GPP class. And for the first year and a half, that was what we offered. If you came through the door, you're doing the group class, and that was it. Now we have room, and we have the staff, and we have the you know, the ability to run multiple classes at one time. Um, So we've got, like I said, we have um, CrossFit kids for different age groups. We have a new class that we just launched, which is Vitality, which is um, essentially the CrossFit methodology with the intensity drawn down a little bit, but that's geared for athletes that are 55 and above. So, you know, the need for functional movement and the need for social interaction doesn't end because you're 55. If, If anything, it's probably even more important at that point. 
and that is launched and the having the space inside the building has allowed us that flexibility to do that so you know you know the two 200 plus members 250 um doesn't even re- truly reflect all the other things that we have going on as well and is it still free to anyone who shows up Unfortunately, no, it's just not free. We have uh, quite a beefy payroll that we need to make each month. And, a, lot um, yeah, a lot more toilet paper, a lot more chalk. Um, you know, the uh, the landlord still expects his rent on time. So, unfortunately, no, it's not free. Uh, and what does, just for anyone who's interested out there, might be listening and in the area, what, what are they looking at to get into CrossFit Milwaukee Valley? So the very first thing that we offer for anybody is we do what we call a initial sit down with a coach, right? I actually just did a video on this the other day. Um, people even, you know, we started off almost 10 years ago. People are still super intimidated by CrossFit. They, they think that they have to be in phenomenal shape to start. They think that, you know, the first thing they're going to get asked to do when they walk through the door is climb a rope. So um, to kind of help dispel that myth, we do an initial sit down. So during that initial sit down, the coach takes the time to talk to you, to answer your questions, to see what you're training for, what are your goals, to do a movement assessment, to do all the stuff that your traditional gym generally doesn't do. Um, and then we do four personal training sessions, which we call our fundamentals. And what that is, is it entails working with the coach so that you can be prepared to go into a class so that the coach knows that you're ready to go into a class. And for the fundamentals in the first month, we charge $250. So that includes your four personal training sessions and includes your first month of CrossFit. So from then on, CrossFit is how much a month? So if you pay month to month, our rate is $150 a month. Um, we also offer discounts if somebody wants to pay for more than a month at a time. And we have discounts for our law enforcement, military, students, and teachers. So you've come a really long way from that garage. Did you ever think at any point during it, man, I'm not going to make it. I don't think it'll ever be this big. Or the whole way through, were you pretty confident where you were going with it? Um, so you've known me for a long time, Will. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very confident guy. And one thing I hate to do is I don't like to fail. I was just talking to somebody about this a few minutes ago. I love to box myself into corners and put pressure on myself to succeed because I, I don't like to fail. I'll do, I'll do everything in my power, humanly possible, not to fail. So I don't think I ever, I, I, don't, I don't really let that creep into my head. I usually try to think of what's the next thing that I can do. What's the next step? What can we do better? What can we do bigger? How can we improve upon something? So instead of letting ideas of doubt or, you know, um, thinking that I can't do it creep in my head. I fill my head with things like, how are we going to do it bigger? How, you know, it's, it's, it's a mindset of mine of just like, no, that's not good enough. How do we fix it? How do we make that bigger? Okay. You know, we had an event that went well. Okay. Well, what can we do next time to make that event better for the athletes? What can we do to make uh, anything from the gym a little bit cleaner to programming? There's so many things that you can work on and improve that I don't have time to sit around and think about failing. And I, I don't, I don't let that get in my head. And have you always had that mindset or was that something you acquired? I would tell you, I think that has probably been something that um, has been in my been in my mindset f- um, for a long time. Um, but I think the military really, really helped hammer that through my hammer that through. Right. You know, in the military, in the Marines and doing that job, you can't fail. Failure really isn't an option. It sounds cliche to say, but failure is really not an option. If you fail, you could person, be dead. Yeah, you could Someone be dead. Somebody dies or a lot of people die. So obviously fitness is not life and death. Business is not life and death. But there are a lot of carryovers and a lot of similarities and parallels between military and business. And I think that has been something that obviously I've carried through with me. And it helps me have that mindset and, and cultivate it. Well, I'm sure if it was life or death or the life of death of someone next to you, people would be failing at things a whole lot less and feeling a lot more motivated. And so on that, while we're talking about that, one of the things I'll do while while I work out is I'll make up horrible scenarios in my head. Like a house is on fire and I have to run to it to get so-and-so out of the house. And it's like, well, are you going to feel bad for yourself and walk slower? Or are you going to pick your head up and run? You're not dying. Run a little harder. Pick up the barbell a little bit faster push yourself a little bit harder and i you know i make up these heinous scenarios what's the worst scenario you've ever made up i usually use the burning house one a lot 
you know, I want to, I want to, I want to say who's in the house. Let's just see people I care about are in a house, loved one, and uh, and I need to get there. And you know, it's kind of an interesting thought process because we have a lot of law enforcement, and we have a lot of um, fire firefighters, and we have military, prior military members that are still in. And again, I'm not in that capacity anymore. That's not my job anymore. But it's like to think of, hey, I'm running because somebody I know just got shot and I'm responding to them and I'm getting out of the patrol car. Am I going to go slow because I'm tired and I'm lethargic and I'm in horrible shape? Or am I going to run hard because the guy that I went through the academy with is now bleeding out and he's laying on the, the corner of uh, Lenox, Lenox Ave in Utica? I'm going to run pretty hard because that's a guy I've spent four years with and that's somebody I know. So, you know, yeah, we make up these scenarios and I'm, I don't live those anymore. But then again, at the end of the day, you don't know. How do you know what tomorrow's going to be? True. You could be at a concert you, you in Las could, Vegas. Right? And right? It's, 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 it's a mindset of and just being prepared physically, mentally. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. We could go on for, for, for hours on that one. So... Do you, do you ever try to inspire people when you're coaching by throwing this scenario at them? You know, run like your your mom's house is on fire or um, something? No, I think that's one of, one of the things that as a coach is you learn which members you can say certain things to, which members you can say different things to. I don't think very me- very few members would respond well to um, run like your house is on fire and your family's in it. Um, that's I, think kind of, should, I think you should try that maybe um, like a Monday morning class. Just <laughs> start saying it, you know, su- subtly to um, all the members. But like I said, with coaching, you know, you, you have to learn which, me- which members respond to certain things, which members respond to maybe a little bit more aggressive coaching, which members respond to a little bit more of the, I don't want to say passive, but maybe a little bit more of the um, not so aggressive coaching. And that's one of the beautiful things about coaching is you can't coach every single person the same way. It just doesn't work that way. So as a person who likes to be under pressure, is that another thing that came from the military or have you always liked to be under pressure? I would say it probably came from the military. I think it was there the entire time. But I think that really, really drew it out. I think that really magnified it, right? Because you're given a task. And again, in the military, if somebody says this needs to be done by this time, you get it done. You find a way to get it done. You don't go, but what if I'm tired? Or what if I don't have the resources? But sir, what if I don't want? You you get it done. Well, you find a way to get it done. I have obviously I haven't served. What would happen if somebody did say, but sir, I'm tired and I don't have the number, resources? Uh, number one, everybody in your unit would look at you like you're a piece of shit. Can we swear in here or no? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah okay. definitely. So you would look at, you don't ever want to, I always say this all the time, you don't want to be that guy, right? Especially in a good unit, right? You're with other guys that work hard. You don't want to be looked down upon as, as that guy that 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 can't pull his weight. The guy that the guy that always messes up. The guy that's always we would call him a shitbird. You don't want to be a shitbird. You would so you would find wait, a way. Wait, I wait, wait. Is there an official definition of, of a shitbird, or was that just kind of an abstract? No, no. A sh- you ask anybody that's in the Marine Corps, and they'll tell you that yeah, a shitbird is a guy that always messes up. He's always late for stuff. He just can't get his, his act together, and that's a shitbird. You don't want to be a shitbird because once you're labeled one, you're kind of a shitbird for a long time. So, how, go, come, how come when you make the uh, little pick-me-up speech about don't waste your time with people, the phrase <laughs> shitbird did not make it into the video? I try. I, I used to swear a lot more. I used to swear all the time. It would be F-bomb this, S this, and... I'm, tr- I'm trying to be better about it, but if you know anybody that's been in the military, if you know anybody that's been in the military and been in, been in the infantry, man, it is, profanity is like second nature. It's, it's unbelievable. It's just left and right dropping F-bombs, and I'm not going to say that it's, it's probably a little, you know, a little less professional to swear every second word out of the mouth, but um, that's a pretty well-known, um, you know, definition of the guy that's always messing up. So going back to that, Honestly, I, I don't think I can remember me personally be giving, given a task and not doing it. Just because of you want to be held in high esteem by the guys that you're going to go to a, a war zone with. You don't want them. You don't want that to happen because 
They'll find ways to correct it and, and to make you better. What are, what um, are ways that you someone know, would regret? You can go into that. you can go into hazing, you can go into pack runs, and you can go into just straight up screaming at somebody. I mean, I've watched guys that were messing up all the time literally have like mental breakdowns because the platoon gets together and just like you're gonna go to Iraq with us and you're letting us down. You can't even do this. You're gonna get one of us killed. You're, and you know, just running through the gauntlet verbally, not so much necessarily physically, but just. Tell them, you know, it's you're calling a spade a spade. We are going to Iraq. We're not going to Pensacola, Florida. We're going to Iraq. You can't get your shit together. You can't pull your weight. You're going to get me killed. You're going to get him killed. That's unacceptable. That is completely unacceptable. And, you know, to me, that has, you know, a lot of carryover to a lot of stuff I do. In my head, I make things, you know, uh, um, a task of, hey, I want to I wanna hit this goal. To me, in my head, I make things very very big deals and i and i really 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 hate to fail and i think you know within reason i think that that's done me a lot of good over the years do you think do you ever see the opposite of that happening in a class where you'll see an athlete who maybe doesn't take their their time in that class as serious because maybe they're afraid of failing or afraid of not hitting some sort of goal you know they keep their expectations super low and maybe take it super I, easy yeah i can i can see that and i can see that in, in life too right everybody gets really afraid to fail and so again going with going you know back to what i said you know in the military it's you don't you don't want to mess up a lot but you also can't be so afraid to act that you set the bar so pathetically low right you know that, that everything is like the easiest thing ever that that's that's not going to work either um so yeah I, I i've seen it in my own life with people i know that they get afraid to act they maybe have a really good idea a really good plan they want to do something but then they sit in there and they let instead of saying okay well how am i going to make that happen come hell or high water i'm going to make that happen they do the opposite like you said they go oh, what if i mess up what if i fail and then they, then they don't even act on it because they're so afraid of messing up and yeah that's that's the other side of it is that I mess I mess up a lot. I mess up often. I mess up the other day, but it's what trying. What did you do the other day? Uh, we, we won't get into that on the, on the, on the podcast. <laughs> but I but I messed up. But one of the biggest things that I've learned in the last few years is that um, you've got to take ownership of it. You can't you can't blame it on anybody else. You can't pass a buck on anybody else. If you mess up, a great sign of learning, a great sign of being an adult is owning up to and say all right yeah man i I messed up a little bit there let's 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 talk about that a little bit because i know we're both big fans of jocko willink his book and his podcast extreme ownership i think you you've read it or found it a little bit before i did so you've probably been doing a little bit before i did but i know one thing that comes with i would say Jocko's definition of ownership because people might have slightly different i know people have different definitions they hold them selves to for ownership but if you follow that you know jocko is kind of in the book definition of extreme ownership you can end up kicking yourself in the balls almost every, every, every day. single day right because as a business owner you know if you if you go by the definition of that book every single thing that falls underneath the scope of crossfit mohawk valley whether it's we're out of chalk or somebody clogged the toilet is my fault and it, it's not I have just to own that it. Now every relationship Mm -hmm. you're in, every interaction you're in, everything that you're doing in your life now, it's like if you're taking that extreme ownership, you know at the end of the day the the reason's you. Mm -hmm. And to touch on that a little bit, I don't know if you saw the um, or read the dude who just got caught doping in CrossFit. He came out with an apology, and it was kind of like a half-assed ownership. It had the "am but" <laughs> at the end, which to me kind of negates all yeah, the, any and, ownership. The, the "am but" taken. doesn't work very well, right? No, no. And, like but was, everyone else is doing it. Yeah. Kind of throws out everything you're saying. Yeah, you have to, like I say, you can't, you can't do the "am but." You can't place it on anybody else, but it, it does have to be within balance because. You know, following that the way that it's expressed in that book, and I'm sure if you know if we were talking to him, he probably probably agree. Um, you as a person do need to take the ownership of of the mistakes, and you have to understand that you are going to make mistakes. Um, but the biggest thing you know that he'll attest to, and that is, you have to learn from them, right? If you continue to make the same mistake again and again and again, that's a sign of you're not learning. 
right? A sign of making some mistakes once in a while along the way, but then course correcting, um, identifying that you made that mistake and figuring out how not to do it again is a sign of intelligence, a sign of growing, a sign of growth. So that's been a big thing for me is, again, taking ownership of where I do drop the ball and working really hard and diligently to make sure I don't drop that ball again two seconds later. That's that's kind of why I don't feel like, I mean, there's goals I may not hit, but I never really feel like something's a failure if I course correct for the next venture out. Yeah. I mean, that's that's learning. I mean, and again, if you were so timid to, to do anything and you never, if you never messed up anything, what life did you live at that point? You were so timid. You never tried anything new. You never, you never towed the line with anything. It's, you know, it's so you could almost equate it to lifting, right? Should you be coming in every single day and missing lifts every single lift every single time? No, it's probably a little reckless. You're probably, you're probably going to not get very far. Now, if you I come in and you, you try to back squat a PVC pipe for six years and you never you refuse to put another pound on the bar and you never told the line of failure, of course you're going to struggle and you're never going to get any stronger. So it's that delicate balance of towing the line, walking the line, wanting to learn, and being okay with failure in some regards, but trying your damnedest to make sure that you're not. And if you do, you better find a way to learn from it. Are there any failures you look at and you're like, ah, oh, if I could have like a redo... That that's probably one I'd take take back. Not really, honestly. I don't think I've ever ever had a, a huge huge failure. I mean, when I was younger, I, I got in a bunch of trouble. Um, Let's talk about that a little bit. You know, but but that, that it shapes you. It builds character. I mean, um, it's uh, you know, I was I was I wouldn't say a troubled youth, but I definitely got in. Um, got in trouble, got into all kinds of nonsense, you, you know, if, uh, lower than a felony. If you can imagine, I probably got charged, arrested, appearance tickets. I think my mom got tired of going to court with me. Were you allowed um, to go to your high school graduation? I was not allowed to go to my high school graduation. One of the really big driving forces behind me joining the Marine Corps was I had to go to court. <laughs> and my, my Marine recruiter brought me to court. And the judge said, if you weren't joining the Marines, you'd be going to the United County Jail. So that was kind of a kind of like, huh, United County Jail or Marine Corps. No, this Marine Corps thing sounds pretty cool. Let's check this out. <laughs> so, and you know, I, I don't honestly, I don't honestly say I regret it because who knows, you know, where I would have ended up if, if that stuff didn't happen. Now, what, what do I try to do? I try, I have a younger brother and I try to go and hammer into his thick skull not to follow in my footsteps and not to not to, to skip those two or three years and get to the years where you actually know what the hell you want to do and putting your energy into productive ventures. So I, I don't honestly, I honestly don't think that I would change it because then I couldn't I couldn't pass on that what I learned to my younger brother. That's maybe true. maybe save my mom a little heartache, but it's, it's like you'd never ask for sex advice from a priest. Yeah. <laughs> We won't go any further. Yes, experience guy has to count for something. <laughs> so, you now own your own business. It's doing really well. Is there any advice you would give to anyone out there who is maybe thinking about running their own business or currently running it and struggling at it? Um, if you're running and struggling at it, you've got to look at it and say, "Am I? Am I all in?" Is am, am I full bore into this, or are you doing it as a hobby or kind of part time on the side? If you are, then it's going to end up being a hobby and a part time on the side side type gig. If you want a successful business and you're you're the sole owner, you're the you're the entrepreneur, you have to be into it. You have to love it. You have to be passionate about getting up at four and going to bed at at twelve to get back up at four and do it again. And that that's not just the fitness business. That's anything. That's that's you know any new business you start you've got to live breathe eat shit sleep it uh for years like i said we're knocking on year six year seven and i'm still here a lot but i love it you have to and that's that's what keeps you motivated right is that you you love what you do and again it sounds cliche you know find something that you enjoy doing and you'll never feel like you work a day in your life i'll say that's 50 50 you know there's a lot of days that i feel like i'm working my ass off but i love it and at the end of the day if you love it and it's your baby and you can grow it and you can nurture it, you've got to be all in. Tiptoeing around it and being a little afraid to go all in. What better, I talk about this all the time, what better fear than the fear of failure, right? Instead of tiptoeing around and having this little, 
uh, side gig, little side business, jump into it head first. And if you're like, man, I got I got a mortgage to pay. I got some I got some some mouths to feed. Well, you better get your ass in gear and make your business work. Because if not, maybe you weren't cut out to be an entrepreneur. Maybe it wasn't the right gig. And not and, everyone is. And not and not everyone is. You know, it's it's um, it's it's awesome. But it would also be a lie to say that there's not days that I don't want to smash my head into the wall, you know. But that's I'd rather smash my head in the wall of my own business than be chained behind a desk working for somebody else 12 hours a day and want to smash my head in the wall for somebody else. <laughs> that's a good point. What what time do you usually wake up in the morning? Probably five to six days a week. I usually wake up about four to four fifteen. And. Do you have any kind of morning ritual or routine? Yes, you do? I get out of bed and I heckle my wife because she's not a morning person. So I get out of bed and I like sing and dance and I act like and well, I did. I usually sleep really well, and she probably hates every second of it because she's not a morning person. Um, so I usually shower, shave, get some coffee, and I I love the morning. I, I I live for it. There's nights that I go to bed and I cannot wait to get up at four in the morning. And the best part about it was like. I don't know, two weeks ago, it was um, one of the things with, with the business is that the nights that you have to close and shut down the gym and then open the next day, those are long, long days because you're getting home at like 8, 30, 9 o'clock, you're eating some food, you're diving into bed, and then you know your alarm's going to go off in a whopping five and a half you know, hours to get up and coach. And I was super excited to coach that next day because it was a movement that I like to coach. I hadn't coached in a while. And I was like, you know what? That's awesome because I'm years into this and I still love it. I'm tired right now. I'm physically tired, but I'm mentally excited to go down and see my members and coach them tomorrow. Not, oh, woe is me. I'm tired, and I don't like this stuff anymore. I still love it. I coach as often as I can, but obviously I need to pull myself off the schedule a little bit to, to do the stuff that we need to do to make the gym grow, make the business grow, but I still love coaching. Um, so, yeah, I get up at 4 and piss off my wife. <laughs> <laughs> So from that morning routine, is there any other uh, rituals or things you do during the day to make sure you have a successful day? Um, one thing that I've started doing in the last probably two months is journaling. And I feel that that helps me really, really, really stay on task, right? So I've got a, the brand is Best Self Journal. There's a whole bunch of them out there. And what it makes me do is I'll try the night prior as I'll basically write down any any appointments I have, anything that I know is scheduled and blocked into my day. And then I usually, in the column, I usually try to write down like the top five or six things that I definitely need to get done. And then I put a box next to every single one. So when I come down to the gym and it's five o'clock, six o'clock, um, I can go ahead and just crack open that journal and I can look and I can see, okay, I've got this at seven, I've got this at nine. Here's my five top things that I want to do. And the other nice thing about that journal is that it makes me start my day and it makes me end my day with positive reflections, right? So it's super easy to get caught up in, oh man, you know, uh, my life is so horrible, this, that, the other thing, and get and get down on yourself. But when you have to physically write, and also I'll read them out loud to myself sometimes, when you have to physically write down three things that you're grateful for. So I write down all the time, I'm grateful for my health, right? I'm grateful for the fact that I'm able to do something that I love every single day. I'm grateful for my staff, my, my coaches that I have here. They're awesome. I wouldn't trade them for the world. I write down things like the fact that I have a pillow underneath my head because I've slept in places where I didn't have a pillow underneath my head. And there's unfortunately, there's a lot of people in the world that are sleeping in some really messed up places, right? So we take all this stuff for granted and we're like, oh, my, my cell phone was slow today. Oh, the arteria was down to one lane. Get over it. Who cares? Yeah. Move on. So the journaling and writing down the tasks and the positive reflection have been a, really something I've done the last two months, and that's helped a ton. Do you have a favorite book that goes along with that? or? Um, not necessarily with the journaling. Um, I've done a lot of reading um, recently on, on finances, um, personal finances. That's one thing that, you know, I, you want to talk about ownership was, man, I had that stuff all backwards. <laughs> it was like, Hey, let's make some money and let's spend it twice as fast. <laughs> so you want to read some decent books on, uh, you know, um, finances and real down to earth stuff is, uh, the millionaire next door is a really good one. Um, I'm reading, um, by recommendation of Matt Payne, um, how to Gain Influence in Friends by Dale Sumner. Carnegie. Carnegie is one. 
Um, I just honestly, and what's interesting is I was never, never a big reader up until maybe two years ago, and now I can't get enough of it. Like, if there was one thing I wish there was more, I wish I had one hour a day, which I could probably carve out and have to put in that journal, just to read. Because I'll get home and I'll be tired, and I physically can't keep my eyes open. Like, I'll fall asleep at night next to, my, next to the bed, or tucked underneath the bed so our dog doesn't eat it, are usually the two or three books that I'm reading. And I've tried to really impress it upon our members, because... That's you know relatively new to me in the last two years is the amount of reading and the topics that I'm reading. And I really, really think if you guys can see on that board behind us, there's an acronym on that board. It's B-I-N-G. And I think that's been life-changing for me. And the B stands for the books you read or the books that you won't read, right? So you think of the average person that doesn't read a book after they get out of high school. That's To me, that's like disheartening. Like I wish I had more time to read. Um, the I is the individuals that you surround yourself with or the individuals you choose not to surround yourself with. So again, I did a video for our members today talking about it, like called plucking the weeds. If you've got that person that you spend time around, the shitbirds, the shitbirds, <laughs> get the shitbirds out of your life, right? They're not doing anything for you. They're just, they're just sucking the energy that you could be putting into something positive out of you. And you know, you know, when you're around one because you leave them and you're like, what the fuck? You <laughs> just feel, you feel drained. It's, this is a little bit of a tie back into the last episode we did where we were talking about uh francis Molman, who's a famous chef from argentina and he's on this uh they did a documentary about him a chef's table on netflix and at one point in the interview he starts telling a story about how he had recently met up with a friend and he just said we we can't be friends anymore to him he's like i just don't have time for you we've grown apart i don't find you interesting and i was and i couldn't find the that's, clip because i wanted to put it in there but it was that's it a great approach sums it up. And, but and then the next you know the next side of that would be okay you pluck the weed you, you rip the bandit off and you got rid of that shitbird that time sucker whatever you want to call him but now plug somebody else in there that's a positive influence, right? Look around for somebody that's doing something that you want to be like. Are they successful in their relationship with their wife? Are they successful with their finances? Do they run a business that's, you know, find somebody that you aspire to be like and be like, man, how can I spend a little bit more time with that person? How can I, how can I feed off their positive energy instead of being around the people that are sucking the energy out of you? It's no good. That, that's really interesting because those people will require more of your time mm -hmm. and i i don't actually value money as much as i value my time absolutely and absolutely it i was talking to someone today where it was just like i had to close that conversation real quick because yep. i could tell it was just turning into a big time suck and uh one of the best things about being at our facility is that i'm surrounded by 99.98 of awesome people and the, the few and far between that come in that are maybe a little bit, I won't call them, we'll call them a little bit less awesome, tend to weed themselves out. Um, so I, I'm really lucky in that, you know, I'm surrounded by a lot of awesome individuals that are like-minded, a lot of small business owners, a lot of people that are really driven. And that's an awesome thing because, okay, if I'm surrounded by people that don't have goals and are not aspiring to do anything, I'm gonna that's where I'm gonna end up. It's you know, that law of you end up being the average of the five people you spend the most time around. So what do you want to be? Successful? Find some successful people. I, I always like that saying, if you lay with dogs, you're gonna get fleas. Yep. That's kind of the less fancy way of saying it. That's it but it's but I same, see it, man. Thing. I same see thing. people get drugged down by their associations and it's it's rough. You don't want to let it happen to yourself. It is, but it can also be hard, right? Think of it. Um, if it's that person that you've grown up with for 15 years, you've been friends with them since middle school, but it's like, all right, I've had 15 years to listen to your nonsense and your bullshit, and you've never done a damn thing to fix it. See ya. <laughs> I'm tired of it, man. You know, you, 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 the only person that can fix that person is them. So what are you going to do? Sit around and listen to them whine for another 15 years? You got stuff. You yeah, got, you got better stuff to do with your good, time. That's a good question. How much time would you like to donate? Yeah, to hearing the same person bitch about the about same, the same problems because they're that, always going to be that, the same that problem. They need to fix. They'll never fix them. Yep. So they're always going to be there. So they're just going to keep complaining. Mm -hmm. You know. So, is there any books you'd recommend on the training aspect of things? Oh, there's a ton of them. And again, same thing. It's like, don't paralyze yourself with, uh, with, oh, is this the right book? Is this the wrong book? Go on Amazon and spend 50 bucks. Get a book on strength training, right? That's, that should be the bread and butter. Get a book on barbell strength training. Learn how to move a barbell. Um, then you could go into, you know, 
the aerobic side, but you can't go. I mean, as long as you're picking well-known books, you really can't go wrong. Um, you know, there's uh, there's so much out there. It's, you, know, you know, one thing I did is uh, Ben uh, Bergeron yep. has a book list. I just went and bought his book list. There you I go. I was like, oh, here we go. I'm going to steal his stuff. I think you know you honestly can't go wrong and. Um, you know, as long as you take away one or two things, I mean, when I read a book, um, I don't re- remember every single thing in the book, right? I, I'm looking for like one or two big key takeaways. What, what were my takeaways from those books? And actually going back to the journal I was talking about, they have a really cool little thing. They're like bookmarks, but they have, they stick out and you can jot down like really key points. So when you finish the book, instead of being like, oh man, I want to read that book again, you could pick up the book and you could go right to the pages that really stuck out to you and had some key points. So you don't have to read the entire book again. Are there any key points you've picked up lately you'd like to share? Um, it's just honestly, the biggest thing that if I could stress to anybody is think, you know, think long term, and that's your nutrition, that's your training, that's your finances, that's anything, and then be consistent. And you could apply that to anything, right? You, hey, I want I want to run a successful business. Well, deliver a consistent product. Hey, I want to um, I want to be able to back squat. Uh, 405. Okay, back squat consistently, right? You've got to be consistent with whatever you're trying. I want my nutrition to be better. Well, okay, fix it, but don't fix it for one day. Fix it for 30 days. Fix it for 90 days. Fix it for two years, and the results, you know, come over time. So just consistency is is, is so so important. Is there anyone that in business or in life inspires you? Um, absolutely. I've I've had the absolute you could call it blessing you could call it fate you could call it luck that i i have a stepfather and i have a biological father and you know a great book if you want to read on you know finance and stuff is um rich dad poor dad and i had an eye-opening epiphany probably about two years ago and if you uh you know if you know me i'm very open with it that um you know my biological father did not take care of himself in any way shape or form physically he's a wreck he's a mess and then you know my stepfather is coming down here and he's doing rowing class he's dragging sleds around out front he's jumping rope and he's you know he's 60 plus but he's taking care of himself so to me that opened my eyes i've always taken care of myself that way and then i look at it on the financial side my stepfather has been a beacon or a guiding light of He's an entrepreneur. He owns his own business. He's he's done. He's handled money well in his life, and he's been a great you know guidepost to look at in that fashion. And then you know, not to rag on the biological father, I look on look to that look to that side, and that wasn't ever done there. That was so. I've had uh, put in front of me a really clear cut picture of if you want to look like this when you are thirty years from now and you want to have these things in your life, these are the action steps you need to take. And if you don't, if you don't take those action steps, this is where you will end up. And unfortunately, where you will end up is sick, broke, lonely, with with not a lot of positive things in your life. Or if you do the right things, you know, take care of yourself mentally, right? You have to keep your brain sharp, right? Reading, uh, conversating, doing things like this, talking, having intellectual discussions with other people helps keep you sharp and helps keep you, uh, you know, on top of your game. So absolutely my stepfather, my mother, you know, I talked about a little bit before, um, you know, if there's ever a spot in heaven for, for a saint, my mom's probably going to be a saint. Um, all the nonsense that I put her through when I probably, I don't you know, the age of like 13 to 21 you know eight years of just complete chaos and disarray <laughs> so obviously my my parents and in my parents i mean uh, my mother and my stepfather hands down so salute to them if they happen to be listening uh before we get out of here uh obviously somebody who comes from like you say getting arrested in trouble all the time can go from that end of the spectrum to the opposite end of the spectrum. If you were to say talk to yourself back at maybe 18 to 20 years old, we'll say, what would be one piece of advice you travel back in time and say, John, listen, th- this this is the one thing I want you to remember? Um, I probably would have joined the Marine Corps a little bit earlier. And if I could, you know, tell myself anything, it's, it's that you can't, you've got to think more than, think again, long game. You've got to think more than, Friday night. You got to think more than this weekend. But at 18 and 19, 
<laughs> kind of hard to do. <laughs> All you're thinking about is, you know, the next party you want to go to, you know. Um, so just thinking more down the road. And obviously, as you grow up and as you mature, that's obviously something that you can sit down and think a lot more about. Um, but in those years, there was there was no thought more than what's going on tonight or to maybe to the weekend of just thinking long term. Because I probably did a lot of things that probably, um, you know, shut some doors on me and, and closed some avenues for me. But on, on the flip side of the coin, that has brought me to where I am today, right? If, uh, if I hadn't done those things and hadn't gotten in trouble, you know, maybe my life would be, not maybe, my life probably would be completely different. So, you know, just thinking more, more than just 24 hours at a time. And let's, let's end with this. Three months, one year, five years. What are three separate things you'd like to accomplish in your life? Um, so in three months, we'll be rolling up onto um, the annual competition we've run, which is No Week Links, which has become one of the things I really enjoy. I enjoy the logistical side of running these events, right? So my goal with this event is to have it break 400 athletes. So that's about three months out, well, a little bit more than three months out. Um, so that's three months is run a well-executed professional competition, probably the largest in the state, unless you go down to like New York city. Um, what was the next one? A year, year. three, uh, one year. Um, there's some pretty large improvements that we'd like to do in our facility. Obviously a couple of things have to fall in place for that to happen. Um, you know, there's very few things, if any, that our facility doesn't have at this point, but there are some things that I would like to, to get done and get in place. Maybe one of those free um, form runners. Yeah. Maybe some free form <laughs> runners. Um, and then three years, I would love to be in the position where I've created careers, not jobs, careers for any of my staff that wants that, right? I'm, I'm trying to build a true business um, where if somebody says, hey, you know what? What I'm doing right now is just not what I'm meant to do. I'm not passionate about it. I don't give a shit about it. I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. I want to build the business that is CrossFit Mohawk Valley to the position where this uh, employee can come and say, okay, this is what I want to do. How can we make this work? How can this be a full-time gig for me? And what's been really cool is that I've actually been able to do that with, with an employee so far. And the goal is as a business grows is to be able to offer that as an opportunity for any of the other coaches, any of the other staff that, that want to pursue that. That's not going to be everybody's end game. But for the one or two or three more that may want to, that's where I'd like to be is to build it to a true true um business in that sense so it's not just jobs for everybody it's it's careers that's what i'd like to be in three years or, right. or sooner and any any parting pieces of wisdom before we go get up earlier work harder be honest and most of the time it'll work out for you <laughs> there you go <laughs> don't forget ladies and gentlemen if you are in the market for any new binoculars and you want some super sweet, highly customized, cost you probably half the price, honestly, of the uh, for the quality they are. Uh, check out mavenbuilt.com. Enter the coupon code NBHGIFT at checkout, and they will send you some free Maven swag with your order. Also, if you would like any supplements and you don't like paying full price, you can get 10% off your purchase by entering the coupon code tag10 at checkout and you will get 10% off your mountain ops purchase just go to mountainops.com tap that code in and you are good to go till next time live life with vigor